Chapter 11, Speed Run. Here's a complete list of things that are creepier than hearing aliens say your name in a dark swamp. Number one, nothing. That's it. Nothing can ever be creepier than that. Yesy, Eric. Yesy, Eric. Eric panicked and started blasting wildly ahead. It did no good. If anything, the voices only got louder. Yesy, Eric. I put the tank in reverse and we started slowly backing up. Both Eric and I remained silent as we drove back toward the boss area. Soon it was completely dark and the voices sounded closer than ever. Yesy, Eric. I felt Eric's hand on my shoulder. I tried to comfort him. I know, buddy. We're going to find a way out of here. But how? Eric's voice sounded far away. Not like he was lost in thought or something, but actually a few feet farther than I remembered. I looked down at the hand on my shoulder. My eyes had started getting used to the dark, so I could just make out that this hand was bigger than expected. Eric? A face leaned in real close to me, an adult face making a shh motion with his finger to his mouth. I didn't shh. I did quite the opposite of shh-ing. Ah! Suddenly the voices stopped. The two eyes from the swamp lit up. They illuminated our tank. They illuminated me, and now Eric screaming like a chorus of small girls. They illuminated an angry man tearing me away from the steering wheel. They illuminated an army of aliens blocking our path out of the swamp, and they illuminated their leader, Mr. Gas Mask. Our tank thief slammed the vehicle into drive and drove off toward the army. The glowing crocodile head opened its mouth to swallow us whole. Hold on, the man yelled back at me and Eric. A nanosecond before the crocodile could chomp down on us, the man pressed a series of buttons, and our tank did a barrel roll away from the mouth. You never told me we could do that, I yelled to Eric. I never knew we could. Now that we had narrowly avoided the glowing crocodile, we found ourselves plowing through the army behind him. Don't shoot anything, the man yelled back to us. That seemed hard to do since aliens were now grabbing onto the tank and trying to climb up. Before any of them could get too far, our driver found a log, used it as a ramp, and hit the thrusters in midair to turn our tank into a flying missile. As we soared over the heads of our attackers, the driver did another barrel roll to shake the remaining aliens off our tank. We landed with a splash behind the alien army and tore back toward the beginning of the level with the aliens behind us. While Eric and I had driven all the gr with all the grace of a dizzy cow, this man handled the swamp like he was born there. Every time a new crocodile jumped out of the water, he was ready with a zig or a zag or a flying barrel roll. Unfortunately, in addition to the new aliens jumping out of the water in front of us, the army behind us had regrouped and was now gaining ground. Just as the aliens started grabbing for the tank again, our driver jerked the steering wheel hard right and we zipped down a small path that I hadn't noticed in our first run through the level. The path led us to a small dead-end swamp. We were trapped. Our only hope would be to turn around and try jumping over the army again. But our driver was not interested in slowing. If anything, he sped up directly into a rock. Ah! Eric and I screamed as we closed our eyes and held each other, bracing for impact. But we never hit the rock. Instead, we drove straight through it. When we didn't explode into a giant fireball, I opened my eyes. We continued driving through the blackness, 
complete blackness. I couldn't even see the ground beneath us. The only thing I could make out was what looked like the bottom of a swamp above us. The man had driven us underneath the level. After a few minutes, we popped back up, but we were no longer in swampland. We emerged through a waterfall in Hawaii. Our driver didn't slow down. He drove straight into the ocean, went underneath the level again, and popped out of the ivory-covered outfield wall at Wrigley Field in Chicago. We drove like crazy through the secret passages in and out of more levels, the Golden Gate Bridge, the Nevada Desert, and the Atlantic City Boardwalk. Finally, at the bottom of the Grand Canyon, we slowed to a stop. For the first time since the aliens started talking, everything was totally silent. Our driver parked the tank and turned to say something to Eric and me. But before he could get a word out, Mr. Gasmas jumped up behind him and grabbed his neck. I raised my blaster. Our driver's eyes got huge. Don't shoot! I shot. Time literally slowed down. The alien dodged the blast by leaning backward almost in half. Then, just as a blast was going over his body, the alien lifted up one finger of one hand. The blast consumed his finger. Before we could understand what had just happened, time went back to normal, and the alien stood up again. He looked at his hand, gave us a wave, and beamed himself back into the sky. Our driver, who'd fallen to the ground, stood back up and shook his head. You have no idea what you just did. Chapter 12, Source Code. The driver took us into a cave and parked the tank again. Okay, Jesse and Eric, what are you doing here? Eric threw up his hands. How does everyone here know our names? The man looked at him quizzically. Well, I know your names because I went to school with you. You don't look like any of our teachers. I wasn't a teacher, I was your classmate. That's when I noticed the man's super duper blue eyes. In my whole life, I'd only met one person with eyes that blue. Mark? Mark Whitman? He smiled a sad smile. That's me, Mark Whitman. I could kind of see it. You know those missing posters that they age up to 20 years to give you an idea of what the person might look like now? That's what Mark looked like, except the poster artist had also added lots of muscle and a blaster arm. Eric was having a hard time keeping up. But, 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 why aren't you drowned? Mark cocked his head. Drowned? Everyone thought you drowned in the river. Really? Who goes swimming after a storm? Exactly. No, I was playing full blast and I got sucked in. Us too. Yeah, but why are you guys still young? We didn't know what to say. Finally, Eric spoke up. Why are you old? Because I've been in here for 20 years. Eric nearly fell off the tank. What? You've only been missing for a month. What are you talking about? Eric and I filled Mark in on everything that had happened since he disappeared. The river search, the big photo of him in school, the Mark day. So I got you guys a half a day off of school? Well, yeah, but it wasn't a good half day because everyone was sad. And you're sure I've only been gone a month? We both nodded. That's great news. That means real time moves way slower than video game time. And if we're able to somehow find a way out of here, I can see my parents before they turn into grandparents. It was my turn to speak now. What do you mean, somehow find a way out of here? Mark turned the tank back on. I have something to show you. 
We drove through a wall in the back of the cave. As we zigged and zagged through more levels, Mark explained that every video game has accidental shortcuts through unfinished walls and scenery. There are even gamers called speedrunners who compete to find these glitches and beat video games in record time. Over the years, Mark had found all of Full Blast accidental shortcuts and made a home underneath the video game world where the aliens couldn't reach him. We eventually found ourselves back in the Nevada desert. We drove along the beginning of the level, hugging the force field boundary. Suddenly, Mark snapped the wheel left and we went through an invisible hole in an invisible wall. After driving through a never-ending desert for 15 more minutes, we came upon a massive black building. It looked kind of like a warehouse, except it stretched for miles. Mark hopped off the tank. Come on. He grabbed the handle of a huge sliding door and creaked it open. When we stepped through the door, the lights automatically flickered a path in front of us. They illuminated row after row of filing cabinets and TV screens, the big tube kind, and abandoned metal parts. What's this, I asked. The source code, Mark said, as he led us forward. All the files that make this game work are right here. Great, said Eric. Then we should be able to find one that we can use to get out of here, right? Mark shook his head. I searched for a long time to find something I could use to Control-Alt-Delete my way out of here. But that's not the way it works. After years of digging and experimenting, I came to the conclusion the only way out is through level 20. So what's the problem, Eric asked. I beat level 20. It's not so bad. Mark stopped at the end of a dead-end row. This particular section of the warehouse looked like it had been torn apart by someone desperate to find something. The lights here flickered ominously. Files and pictures were taped haphazardly to the wall. There was even red yarn attaching everything together like in the police movies. Mark pointed to the wall. This is the problem. At the top of the wall, above the files and pictures and red yarn, were two words sprawled in spray paint. Two words we had seen before. Hindenburg Protocol. Underneath those words hung a familiar gas mask.